First Chronicles chapter number 21. Church family, let me just mention uh, one more thing with the announcements as far as uh, anniversary Sunday for the, pake, the cake and the pie baking contest. If you will take your uh, entries for that to the print shop, uh, Mrs. Edwards will help you get those checked in. She's normally here around 9 o'clock or so Sunday morning. And if you'll get those there, then we'll do the judging uh, later in the afternoon and uh, get that all taken care of. But make sure you turn those in there. All right, let's go ahead and look at this, this chapter here tonight. Church family, I want to I uh, bring a thought tonight uh, concerning uh, David's response to God's correction. David's response to God's correction. And um, I think it'll be a help to you. And it really, the text is the whole chapter here tonight. And uh, I don't think we'll be long, but we will need to understand the text to see the thought tonight. But let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. You ask God in your heart as I pray out loud. Let's ask God to uh, teach us from this passage here tonight. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you tonight. Lord, we're grateful, Lord, to be able to be in your house. We're grateful, Lord, for the opportunity, Lord, that we have to look at your word. And Lord, tonight we are asking, Lord, that you would speak to us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to set aside the cares of the day, the cares of life. And Lord, just listen to you tonight. And Lord, let you speak to us. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you've given us your word. We ask that you might bless our pastor where he's at tonight. And Lord, I pray that you might use him, give him safety as he travels. And Lord, bless our service here tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. First Chronicles chapter number 21. David's response to God's correction. Now, the church family, if, if, if there's probably one category of people uh, that I think probably understand the idea of correction, it would be a parent. Um, several of you in here tonight uh, are, are parents, either maybe your kids are grown or some of you are is still uh, raising kids at this, this point in time. And as a parent, God gives you the responsibility to uh, correct your children when they do wrong, to correct them in life. That's how that you're, you're trying to train them. You're trying to raise them up for the Lord. And part of your responsibility as a parent is correction. So we're going to look at David's response to God correcting him in his life. Uh, but tonight, I, I probably will refer to, uh, to being a parent or to a parent and, and how they would look at correction and a child and how they would respond to correction. And by the way, uh, God corrects us in a lot of different ways. Uh, sometimes God corrects us through just that, that, that little still voice inside of us, the Holy Spirit of God that, that pricks our heart and says, hey, you need to change this in your life or you need to do this different or you shouldn't have done that. It convicts us of sin. Sometimes it's the word of God that as you read it or as, you, uh, as it's preached, even, even sometimes it's the, the man of God, the pastor, uh, the, as he preaches or, or the man of God that preaches, that God would use, use that to bring correction. Now, in David's case, sometimes this happens too in a Christian's life. Uh, sometimes God brings some, some very rough circumstances in a person's life to get them to wake up, to correct them, to get them back on track or to show them that, hey, listen, this is wrong and this is right. And sometimes God has to do that. But I want you to notice tonight in this chapter, uh, particularly David's response to God's correction. Now, let me say this. Most of you are familiar with this story. The story is, is where David numbers uh, the, the children of Israel. And, and in reality, he's just taking a census. And you might think about it from a human standpoint that, boy, it doesn't seem like that the crime committed matches the punishment that was dished out. As, as a human, sometimes we can look at some of these Bible stories and say, boy, I, I don't understand why. But I think as we break the story down and go through, you'll, you'll understand. But uh, again, David's response to God's uh, correction. Let's look at the chapter here tonight. In, in verse number one of chapter number 21, the Bible says this, And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. Verse number two, And David said to Joab and to the rulers of the people, Go, number Israel, from Beersheba even to Dan, 
and bring the number of them to me. And look at the last sentence, that I may know it. A church family, we might think numbering the people uh, would be something pretty insignificant, but David's purpose or his reasoning uh, for numbering the people uh, was really out of pride. That I may know it, that I may know how many people that I'm ruling over, that I may feel a, a sense of, uh, of accomplishment or a sense of, 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 of pride in, in, in the amount of people that I have to rule over. If you look at the parallel passage where this story is mentioned um, in uh, 2 Samuel, it talks about David delighting in knowing that number of how many people that he ruled over. Now we might say, well, this doesn't seem like a big sin, but when it comes to the sin of pride, it's a big deal. It's a big deal to God. God says that pride, a a proud heart is an abomination to God. How many times as Christians are we guilty of the sin of pride? in our mind, in our words, in our actions. A Sunday night pastor preached a message on on respecter of persons. And where does that come from? That comes from our pride. And uh, in this story, David's sin, we might think it to be insignificant, but it was the sin of pride. I think about David's sin tonight, and another thing I think about it, it, it it was a presumptuous sin. This wasn't something that was secret. David gets Joab and he gets the other rulers in Israel. This was something that everybody knew what was taking place. And he gets them together and says, hey, I want to know the number. I want to know it. I want you guys to go out and I want you to to find out the number of the people that I rule over in Israel. It was something that was very public, something very presumptuous. And then I think another thing about it that makes David's sin uh, maybe bigger than it would seem on the surface to us as humans is, is the fact that in verse number three, Joab warns him, don't do this. And he goes ahead. Look at verse number three. And Joab answered, the Lord make his people a hundred times so many more as they be. But my Lord, the king, are they not all my Lord's servants? Why then doth the Lord require this thing, uh, or my Lord require this thing? Why will, look what he says, why will he be a cause of trespass to Israel? So even Joab looks at David and says, David, wait a second. Have you really thought about what you're doing? Do you really want to be a cause of trespass to Israel in sending uh, myself and the other rulers out to go and number the people just so that you can know this number? But yet David said no. And the next verse says that his word prevailed against Joab. Nevertheless, verse number four, the king's word prevailed against Joab. Wherefore, Joab departed and went throughout all Israel and came to Jerusalem. Now, verse 5 and 6, he gives the number of the people that they counted. Now, church family, if you look at the parallel passage with this, uh, you'll find out this, this process uh, took them, I, I think it was around nine months for them to count everybody. David had a lot of time to think about the decision that he made to say, go number the children of Israel. This wasn't something that, that boy, he just did at, at, on the spur of a moment and didn't, wasn't thinking about it and, and yeah, he shouldn't have done that. This was something that David had thought through. I want to know that number. He sends them out and they go out and eventually they come back and they give him the number. And then verse number seven, I want you to see the Bible says this. And God was displeased with this thing. Therefore, he smote Israel. A church family, sometimes our sin to us seems little, seems insignificant, seems like it's not a big deal. 
but when in reality our sin displeases God. And whenever you think about your sin, sometimes our sins are, are, are against other people or, or other people are affected by our sin. And sometimes we think in our mind, uh, and we shouldn't, but sometimes we might think, well, they can get over that. But sometimes we forget that the one that we're displeasing is the Lord. And I don't know in this verse, church, I mean, I don't know what it was that God did when he smote Israel this first time. I don't know what took place. But God, God was not pleased with David, and so God smote the children of Israel. Now, I want you to look at the very next verse, because church family, the very next verse is David's first response to God. The Bible says in verse number 8, And David said unto God, I have sinned greatly. Because I have done this thing, but now I beseech thee, do away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. And church family, if you look at that verse just on face, at, at its face values, you read it, you think, wow, David, hey, he admitted, I've sinned greatly. Amen. He admitted, I've done foolishly. It, it seems like David's, in just reading it at face value, it seems like he's on the right track. How many times as a parent do you correct your child? And the biggest part of the correction is just getting them to say, okay, mom or dad, I, I know I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. Okay, David, David's already there. David said, God, I know that I've sinned. But church family, there's a little thing right in the middle of the verse that I want you to take notice of. David says this. He said, I've sinned greatly because I have done this thing. But now I beseech thee. So he's going to ask God something. He says, but now I beseech thee. Read the next two words with me. Do away the iniquity of thy servant. Church family, if you, if you look up the, the, like the, the Old Testament written in Hebrew, if you look up the words and the meanings, sometimes the verses will have a whole new light. The, when David says do away, it's a, it's a little Hebrew word, uh, and I'm probably not pronouncing it right, but it's, it's said albar. And it means to cross over. In other words, David says to God, God, I've sinned greatly in doing this thing and numbering the people. But God, would you just cross over the iniquity of thy servant? In other words, God, would you just not deal with the sin? Now, church family, how many times in our lives as Christians do we do the exact same thing with sin in our lives? It's not that we don't know that we sinned. It's not that we don't know that I did displease the Lord. But we look at God and we say, God, I know I should have done this in life or I shouldn't have done that in life. And God, I shouldn't have said that to that person. And, and God, I should have been a witness over here. And, and God, but God, would you just cross over instead of getting it right? Now, church family, I want you to see David's first response to God. David knew he was wrong. God, the Bible says, the verse before that, God smote Israel. David said, God, I've sinned. I've sinned greatly. I've done foolishly. But God, would you just do away with my iniquity? Now, let's continue on with the story. I'm not going to read every verse in this chapter. I just really want to give you the thought tonight. And I want to be as, as, as quick as I can with getting to the thought. The very next verse, 
verse number nine, I want you to notice something else in the story. The Bible says, and the Lord spake unto who? Gad. You're going to find it interesting as you go through this story that David comes to God and David says, hey, God, I've sinned greatly. Would you do away with my iniquity? And God does not communicate directly back to David. God says to Gad, Gad, I want you to go talk to David. Now, you're going to find all the way through this until the end, God does not communicate back to David. God sends Gad or God sends an angel. And God says, go talk to David. Hey, can I, can I tell you what we lose when we don't confess our sin or we don't get our sin right with God? We lose that fellowship with God. Have you ever been at a place in life where you know there's things in your life that's not right and you pray, but you don't get an answer and you know it's because there's sin in my heart and my life? I find it interesting as you go through this chapter that David says, God, I, I know I've sinned. Would you just do away with the iniquity? And God says, okay, Gad, I've got a message. Go tell David this. Now, we're going to jump in the next part of the story. next part of the story is Gad comes to David. He says, verse 10, go tell David, saying, thus saith the Lord, I offer thee three things. Choose thee one of them that I may do it unto thee. Now, uh, church family, I'm not going to read every verse. Basically, David had three choices. He could either, number one, go through three years of famine. Number two, he could run from his enemies for three months. Or number three, for three days, God would send pestilence and uh, an angel with a sword to destroy Israel for three days. Now, David's given this choice. Gad comes to David and says, okay, David, uh, God wants to know what what you're going to choose. This is your punishment. Which one do you choose and David, in this case, made a very wise choice. Now, he, he said, hey, listen, I, wanna, I, I know that God is merciful. I'll read, read this verse with you. The Bible says this in verse 13. And David said unto Gad, I am in a great strait. Let me fall now into the hand of the Lord, for very great are his mercies. But let me not fall into the hand of man. So David says, if this is my choice, I've got to pick one of these punishments. I would rather be at the mercy of God than at the mercy of my enemies. I'd rather be at the mercy of God than at the mercy of a, a, a three years of famine uh, that would take place. And again, David makes a wise choice. Now, the next, very next verse, I continue with the story here. The Bible says in verse 14, so the Lord sent pestilence upon Israel. And, and church family, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around these numbers, but there fell of Israel 70,000 men. This is getting very, very serious for David. Verse 15, and God sent an angel unto Jerusalem to destroy it. Now, now church family, if, you, if you'll let me, I, I want to visualize this part of it for you because I want you to see what's taking place in the story. Uh, Brother Michael Price, I didn't ask you ahead of time, but could you be my angel tonight? All right. I, I know Miss Jamie thinks he's an angel. And so uh, uh, it's probably his mother-in-law in the back. Mrs. Flowers thinks he's an angel. Well, come on up over the Michael. He's going to be our angel. And uh, again, this is part of God's punishment to David, all right? So now you can hold, hold that and that hand there, sword in the other. All right, now if you can imagine, the platform is Jerusalem. God sends the angel. The angel is destroying people. Swing that back and forth. I'll stand back. Okay, there we go. All right, so he's, he's destroying people as he goes. All right, hold on right there. Let's read the rest of the verse. The Bible says this, and God sent an angel to Jerusalem to destroy it. And look what he says. And as he was destroying, 
the Lord beheld. Now, church fam, I'm just real simple type guy when I read these stories. I imagine God up in heaven who sent the angel and says, go down there, destroy him. God's up in heaven. He's looking down. The Bible said he beheld the angel destroying. Now, hold on just a second. Look what God does. And the Lord beheld, the Bible says, and he repented him of the evil and said to the angel that destroyed. Look what he says. Read those three words with me. It is enough. Look at the next part. He says, stay now thine hand. And the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. The angel's destroying. God looks down from heaven and God says, it's enough. Stay now thine hand. Now, church family, I want you to notice, God did not say, okay, you're done. You can come back up to heaven, put the sword away. All he said is, don't destroy any more people. Stay now thine hand. Let's, let's, let's continue on with this, the story. And again, I think it's important for you to see that part of it. The Bible says this in verse 16. And David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord. I want you to jump down to verse number 20. talks about Ornan. The Bible says, and Ornan, again, it was by his threshing floor where the angel was. The Bible says in verse 20, and Ornan turned back and saw what? The angel and his four sons with him hid themselves. So church family, I, I, the Bible doesn't say, but I'm assuming everyone in Jerusalem could see the angel, could see the sword. And, and God says, stop, it's enough, and stay your hand. And everyone can look up and see the angel that is destroying people standing there. Now, imagine if you're in this story. Now church family, I want you to go kind of, I don't know, you call it a spoiler alert. I want you to go to the, towards the end of this story. We're going to come right back here. Go to verse number 27. In verse 27, the Bible says, And the Lord commanded the angel, and he put his sword again into the sheath. So the angel in verse number 27 puts his sword back into the sheath. Now, church family, between verse 15... And between that one and verse 27 is David's response to God's correction. And David had the right response. Now, church family, we're, we're faced many times throughout our Christian life with correction because we, 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 we live in this sinful flesh. We do wrong. We do sin. God corrects us. The Bible says uh, in Hebrews uh, 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 everyone that God loveth, he chasteneth. That's part of our life. Okay, for a child growing up, they're going to face correction from mom and dad, or at least they should face correction from mom and dad. How many of you, hey, I have six, six girls. Correction, the younger they are, seems like the more frequent it is, and hopefully the goal is the older they are, the less frequent. But can I tell you, as a parent, there's all kinds of reactions to Correction. Now, sometimes correction as a parent is just the look. And sometimes that's all it takes. Sometimes it has to go further. Sometimes it's words. Don't you ever do that again. Don't let me see you doing that. Sometimes it goes further than that. Sometimes it's a spanking. Now, church family, if you're a parent here, you understand that there's all different kinds of responses to that. Sometimes I'll correct verbally and it's the pouty face. 
Sometimes I'll correct verbally, and it's the, the shrug of the shoulder or the roll of the eyes. A lot of giggles. Apparently your kids do that too. Church family, sometimes the, the reaction to correction is tears. Sometimes it's, I'm sorry. Sometimes it's, I shouldn't have done that. And you know, as a parent, you're looking at the reaction from your kids to the correction to know how far do I have to go with the punishment? Can I just look at you and you, I shouldn't have done that and we're going to take care of this right now. Or do we have to get all the way to the point where you need a spanking or you need something else to cause you to realize I did wrong? A church family, the angel, pulled the sword back out. He's standing by the threshing floor of, of Ornan. 70,000 men just died a couple verses before. The Bible says David looks up and sees the angel. Now let's look at his response. Verse number 16. The Bible says this. Verse 16, and David lifted up his eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord stand between the earth and heaven, having a drawn sword in his hand stretched out over Jerusalem. Look what David does. Then David and the elders of Israel, who were clothed in sackcloth, fell on their faces. Imagine the story, church family. David looks, he's got, the elders are with him, they've got sackcloth on, people are being destroyed, there's loss of life, this is, this is drastic. And God has told the angel, stop, but the angel's still standing there, his, his, his sword, his hand is stretched out over Jerusalem. And David's response, and the elders that were with him is there, they're in sackcloth, they fall on their faces. And look what David says. Verse number 17, and David said unto God, is it not I that commanded the people to be numbered? Even I it is that have sinned and done evil indeed. But as for these sheep, what have they done? Well, church family, I want you to notice David's first response is similar to what we see in verse number seven. I'm sorry, verse number eight. David says, first of all, his response is, God, it's I. It's me. It's not anybody else. I'm the one that sinned. But I want you to notice the next part is a lot different than verse number eight. Look at, look at the next part of what David says. He says, as for these sheep, what have they done? Look at uh, the rest of the verse says, let thine hand, I pray thee, O Lord my God, be on me and on my father's house, but not on the people that they should be plagued. A church family, David says to God, God, it was me that ordered the people to be numbered. So first of all, he admits, God, I'm, I'm the one that did wrong. And then David says, God, let your hand, your hand of judgment, your hand of correction, let that be on me and my father's house. A church family, I don't believe, understand what David's saying. He's looking at an angel with a sword, people are dying. When he says, God, let your hand of, of, of judgment or God, let your hand be upon me, he's saying, God, I'm the one that deserves to die. I don't believe that David was saying, I want you to punish me, God. I want to die. I, I want to feel the pain of the sword. But you know what he was saying? He was saying, God, I deserve punishment. Now, if you look at that in comparison to verse number eight, where David says, 
God, I've sinned. Would you just pass over my iniquity? There's a big difference. In one verse, he's saying, God, I, I've sinned greatly. I've done foolishly. But would you, would you just pass over? Would you just go on over the cross? And then, then here in this verse, David says, God, I'm the one that's done wrong. God, I'm the one that deserves to have your hand upon me. Now, I want you to notice the third part of his response. If we look in the rest of the story here, um, the, the angel, the Bible says in verse 18, again, God is not responding directly to David and even in this part of the story. The Bible says, and the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up and set up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. Now, a church family, I'm going to read kind of through this. Again, you know the story familiar. And David went up at the saying of Gad, which he spake uh, in the name of the Lord. And Ornan turned back and saw the angel and his four sons with him hid themselves. Now Ornan was threshing wheat. And David came to Ornan and Ornan looked at David uh, sorry, and saw David and went out of the threshing floor and bowed himself to David with his face to the ground. Then David said to Ornan, grant me the place of this threshing floor that I may build an altar therein to the Lord. Uh, thou shalt grant it to me for the full price that the plague may be stayed from the people. And Ornan said unto David, take it to thee and let my Lord the king do that which is good in his eyes. Lo, I, I give thee the oxen also for burnt offerings and the threshing instruments for wood and the wheat for the meat offering. I, I give it all. And King David said to Ornan, Nay, but I will verily buy it for the full price. For I will not take that which is thine for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings without cost. Verse 25, so David gave to Ornan for the place 600 shekels of gold by weight. In verse 26, this is, this is the next part of David's response to God's correction. Verse 26, the Bible says this, and David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and called upon the Lord. A church family, I don't know what all the words were to David's prayer, but in the Old Testament, when they committed sin, and they would go and they would offer a burnt offering. This is what's taking place for David. David comes at, at the instructions of the angel of the Lord, buys the threshing floor, builds an altar at the threshing floor, puts the wood on, puts the burnt off sacrifice on, and the Bible says, and he called on the Lord. In other words, I, again, I, I'm not trying to add to the text here tonight, but Lord, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? Lord, I, I've sinned greatly. I'm asking for you to forgive me. Can, can you see David's response to God's correction? Now, church family, the next part of this verse is, is, is so interesting to me because look what happens. The Bible says this in verse number 26, that he called upon the Lord right in the middle of the verse there, and it says, and he answered him from heaven by fire upon the altar of burnt offering. This is the first time that you're going to see in this chapter, since David committed this sin of numbering the people, that now God speaks back, the Bible says, from heaven to David by fire. A church friend, I don't, I don't know in this passage if that meant that, that God lit the fire that burnt on the altar for the burnt offering. But it says very clearly that the Lord 
answered David. Can I tell you, when you have the right response to God's correction, can I tell you the first thing that happens? Your fellowship with God is restored. Your fellowship, you now can get answers from God. We go through this life and we sometimes wonder, well, why doesn't God speak to me? Why don't I hear God's voice? And sometimes it's just because when God's correction comes, we look at it and we say, nah, I'm not going to have that response of, God, would you forgive me? I'm just going to look at God and say, God, would you just pass over my iniquity? And God, would you just, I know it's wrong, you know it's wrong, God, but let's just go on with life. Instead of stopping and saying, God, I'm the one that deserves punishment. Would you forgive me? Church family, I want you to see the second thing. We read this verse a little bit earlier, but the second thing that happens when you have the right response, look in verse 27. And the Lord commanded the angel... And he put up his sword again into the sheath. The angel puts the sword in the sheath. Do you know what's taking place? God said, okay, punishment's done. No more people are going to die for this. Our relationship is restored. It's in the past. The sword's done. Do you know when you have the right response to God's correction... You don't have to continue going through God's correction or God's hand of punishment. Do you know why sometimes as, as, as a parent, you punish your child or you, you, you correct your child and they don't have the right response. They rebuttal you. They talk back to you. They make excuses. They do whatever it is. So the next step of punishment takes place. And then they still don't have the right. And so the next step of punishment takes place. Do you know that happens in an adult level, in the Christian life between us and God, where God pricks your heart through the voice of the Holy Spirit and says, hey, you need to change this in your life. This is God's correction. And sometimes we just bristle up and say, oh, I know that I sin, but I'm not going to take care of that. I'm not going to stop doing that, or I'm not going to correct that area of my life. And then maybe sometimes God, through the preaching of his word, again speaks to your heart and says, hey, you better think about this. Sometimes our response is still not there and then God has to do something in life to what you might say, wake us up to say, okay, Lord, now I'm ready to say, I know not only have I sinned, but I deserve punishment and I need your forgiveness. I see that David's right response to correction caused the correction or the punishment to stop. I want you to see, thirdly, this is interesting to me too, the Bible says this, if you read on in the rest of the chapter there, it says, and at that time when David saw that the Lord had, it's interesting, David saw that the Lord had answered him in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite, then he sacrificed there. Verse 29 says, for the tabernacle of the Lord which Moses made in the wilderness and the altar of burnt offering were at that season in the high place at Gibeon. But David could not go before it to inquire of God, for he was afraid because of the sword of the angel of the Lord. Look at verse number 20, at chapter 22, verse number 1. Then David said, This is the house of the Lord God, and this is the altar of burnt offering, look what it says, for Israel. Verse number 2, through the rest of that chapter, David begins to put together the materials to build the temple. 
God didn't let David do that. That was something that Solomon, God allowed Solomon to do. But you know what's going on in David's mind as I see it from the passage? I got God's forgiveness. I, I got the fellowship between me and the Lord restored. I want that same thing for Israel. I want that same thing for others. This is, this is where, this is the altar, uh, the Bible says, this is the altar of burnt offering for Israel. Do you know that when you have a right relationship with God and you respond to God's correction properly and your relationship, your fellowship with him, it's natural for you to want other people's fellowship restored also. It's a natural thing as a Christian for you to want a lost person to come to Christ. It's a natural thing for you as a Christian to want the, the brother or sister in Christ who's struggling and backslidden do you want their relationship, their fellowship to be restored? Why? Because you've, you've, you've been there. You've, you've seen what that, how that works and how that God restores you. But church family, how often do we go through our life where God's hand of correction is there? And our response is, God, I know I've sinned, but I just want you to cross over it. I want you to do away with my iniquity. When our response should be, God, I've sinned. God, I understand I deserve judgment. But God, I'm asking you to forgive me. Now, church family, the application tonight has been very much to Christians. We understand I'll never have to spend one second in hell paying for my sin ever. I, I understand that because of the, the payment that Christ made on the cross. But church family, as we go through this life... Our Heavenly Father, because as it says in Hebrews, because He loves us, He has to correct us. And when God corrects us, our response to God ought to be, Lord, I've sinned. Lord, I, I deserve to be punished. But God, I'm asking you to forgive me. Can I ask you tonight, in your life, what is your response to God's correction. You know, we think about this story and we think about David looking up and seeing the angel with the sword drawn over Jerusalem. And we think, well, that makes sense he would fall on his face. That makes sense that he would be repentant for his sin. That makes sense that he would want this to stop. But how many times does God's correction come to our life? And our response to God is... I know I messed up there, but that's not that big of a deal. Our response to God is, God, I know I did wrong, but I don't really deserve to be punished for it. And we go through life without having a clear fellowship with our Heavenly Father because we won't respond properly to God's correction. Church family, can I ask you tonight, maybe, maybe this is not a moment in life for you where God is correcting you. But if it's not now, there's going to be a time when the Holy Spirit of God speaks to your heart, when the Word of God speaks to you, what is your response going to be to the correcting hand of your Heavenly Father? Are you going to push back? Are you going to still do your own thing? Or are you going to say, as David did, Lord, I've sinned. I understand I deserve punishment. 
And God, I'm going to offer this burnt offering. I'm asking you to forgive me. And he called on the Lord. Church family, I, I don't know. I know the, the message tonight is, is more of a somber thought. We'd like to think about correction. Do you know as a parent, when I'm correcting my children, my purpose in correcting them is not or should not be vengeance. I want to get even with them because they disobeyed me. That shouldn't be it. As a parent, I don't want the correction to have to go any further. As a parent, I want them to stop and be repentive and to, and to make things right and let's go on and forget this happened. Do you realize that's what your Heavenly Father wants? Your Heavenly Father is not wanting you to go through more and more and more of the correcting hand of God. Your Heavenly Father just simply wants to restore fellowship. But sometimes you and I look at the correcting hand of God and we just push back. Church family, I don't know what God would do in your heart in a message like tonight. But look at your life. What is your response to God's correction? Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed.